Hello and welcome to Seducing Aliveness. So happy you could join us here for this show about the essential nature of living vulnerability. And by us, I mean myself, Jen Halterman, and my co-host, Tamara Yonker. Hi, Tamara. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Yeah. This, day's go- this week is going fast already. It's Wednesday. <clears throat> it is. We're at hump day already. How's it getting better than that? Quick. I want to be like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the fun thing is we've talked about vulnerability in a number of different ways. We've talked about it as one of the key elements of intimacy. We've talked about it as, you know, all the things that get in the way of it. And today we're talking about it and just its essential nature and how it actually feeds our aliveness. It's part of the seducing aliveness vibration that is required Mm -hmm. for it to have its way with you and you to really truly surrender to it is vulnerability and it's so funny (laughs) excuse me there's a there was kind of a i don't know a trend i guess i'd call it a trend of people talking about vulnerability and and what's required for vulnerability to be practiced and such and it's so interesting to me all all the things that we put in place to secure our original nature. So what I mean by that is we came in vulnerable. We came in without anything thinking. We could not be completely vulnerable, completely be ourselves, unfiltered, undefined, just simply being ourselves. And life is what put things in place for us to shield ourselves and believe we're not excuse me, safe being vulnerable, all of these things. And then when people go back to vulnerability, they try to create all these safety nets and securities and agreements so they can then practice vulnerability. And as I watch that trend kind of play out in the world of social media and and chatter, I thought, wow, how interesting that is, that there's a lot of conditions people put into the returning to vulnerability, which is really your original nature. I just find it fascinating. So we're here to invite you back to it. Just, you know, being you. That's it. Well, and I would add to that that if you have to put conditions in place, then that's not what vulnerability is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a... That's a uh, some version of vulnerability that you've kind of perhaps decided is what you think vulnerability is, but it's not about um, let me set the stage so that now I can, you know, in other words, let me control the environment so now I can be vulnerable. It's really mm-hmm. not what it's about. It's about um, being willing to be you, whatever that is. Whatever that is, that's undefined, as we've been talking about, in the face of anything. And um, and and the thing is, I wouldn't say that that happens overnight. That takes a little bit of practice. So the mm-hmm. setting the stage piece might be part of your practice on your way to vulnerability, if that makes sense. Like I've shared this mm-hmm. before on the show that um, there were there were things that I have done to um, you know in when I when I started being willing to be aware of where I felt vulnerable and sort of fragile and tender. That was kind of, I was like, okay, (gasps) holding my breath, feeling vulnerable. There were Mm -hmm. things that I would do to practice. 
because I, I knew I wanted to shift the way I was functioning from protection and preservation into the space of vulnerability. And I was like, okay, but I've, I've done this my whole life. So this is going to take a little bit of practice to shift out of the default patterning I've been doing my whole life. So some of the things that I would do is that I would, I would preface, I would I would say, you know, like, I'm about to share something that's really difficult for me. I'm about to share something that I feel shame about. I'm about to share something I've never shared with anybody in my entire life. Or I'm about to ask for something that feels really scary for me. Or I'm about to, you mm-hmm. know, like, I would preface it. And sometimes, you know, that would, that would like, give me, it was almost like a, a, boast, a bolstering of courage. I was like, okay, okay, I'm going in. I'm ready. I'm going to do this. You know, it was like, almost <laughs> like I had to kind of, like, pat myself up and be like, I can do this. And, and then when I would, it was, it was part of also making a commitment to myself. You know, I'm not going to run and hide in the shadows anymore. I'm not going to use the protection, protective and protect, uh, preser- preservative mechanisms and patterning that I've used in the past. So, so I would, um, I would kind of, you know, do that for myself as part of my practice. And eventually it becomes more natural. It, that, that, rather than all the protection and all the defense and all of that stuff that felt normal, as I practice and practice and practice being vulnerable, I'm like, oh, this actually feels much more natural and there's no tension in my body. As I practice right. being vulnerable, I notice that everywhere that I was doing uh, the, the defense and the protection and the pre- pre- preservation mechanisms, like that was creating so much tension in my body, and that started to go away because I was like, oh, I'm just here being me. Like that's totally okay, and not only is it okay, it's actually desirable, and it actually creates so much more in my life, and I'm actually able to dance and meet life um, in a, in that communion space, which is infinitely more fun for me and more joyful for me, and as that started to shift over time, um, my body went you know, like was at ease, and I was like, oh, this, this place of the involuntary, and and by involuntary, what I mean is I'm not editing, I'm not altering. I mean, most people spend all day every day altering themselves until they realize they can't ever alter themselves enough to please everybody or to not uh, upset other people or to not make, you know, everybody uncomfortable. And so you're just like, I give up. I'm actually going to surrender. Surrender, I love that word in reference to this because to me surrender is a very, very um, powerful act of choice. It's not resignation. It's not like, um, you know, like, uh, it, this is futile. So um, I, I'm just going to resign myself to something I, I feel at the, at the effect of and I can't control. That's not what surrender is to me. Surrender is a very pr- powerful act of choice um, that I'm not going to try and control everything anymore for pr- preservation and protection. So that space of vulnerability for me is like, ah, oh, home. I remember this. This is yummy. Thank you for choosing it. <laughs> it's like it really is. And and I wrote a a chapter about that, um the healing road to home in a book once upon a time. <laughs> because to me, when when you give up all the 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 machinations of trying to be something else and uh and you just surrender into that space of being, that's home. That's home for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, and it's so interesting how it does come on in different phases. Um, oh, man. As I, I, it's funny, I did a visibility group, Adventures in Visibility, and it was all about really getting visible with who you are. And, of course, you know, people want to be more visible, be comfortable, more visible on social media. So when they got into the group, they're like, oh, shit, this is actually a vulnerability group. <laughs> this is a bad being vulnerable enough to be you. And it was so interesting how many people um, had resistance to that, how many people welcomed that, the different responses that took place within that dynamic. And those that went, okay, now these are the conditions for me to be vulnerable versus, hello, vulnerability, hello, fear, hello, insecurity, I see you, and I'm still going to do this. Because when we say, look, I'm going to practice here with you guys in this container that's set for, with the intention of practice, and we say, I'm stepping into my vulnerability, it's very different than, okay, we have to have this agreement that when I'm vulnerable, it means I'm always right. When I'm vulnerable, it means you never, ever correct me. When I'm vulnerable, you cannot, you know, use that certain tone with me that's not allowed. Those things are so different, and it's the surrender into that is the release of control. It is letting go of control. I'm not going to control this. However, I am aware that I have a lot of emotions. I have a lot of physical sensations while I'm doing what I'm doing. So I'm going to acknowledge those as a way of stepping through them. And that is so empowering. Like that oh my gosh, that is a kick of, you know, energy that is your divine nature that comes up, that rises up, that's like, whoa, there you are. And it is so inviting. It is so intoxicating. It's so seductive. And it is just your aliveness, whatever that variety, whatever combination it is, however it comes about, it's yours. It's you. Nobody else has it exactly that way. That's why I believe that it is it's such a key factor to choose into because in a world of same, 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 trying to fit in, trying not to offend, trying not to upset, we need more individuals. We need more of that. It's required, I would be willing mm-hmm. to say. Like the the I always talk about um our our tapestry of, you know, 7.5 billion people or whatever it is right now, the tapestry isn't um, fully, I mean, complete is a silly word, but complete until everyone shines. Everyone shines. And we're so, that that's the thing that, that um, is dismissed is in, in a, in a consensus <clears throat> reality where going along to get along and fitting in and pleasing is held in high regard and valued, then those people who are um, choosing to shine in their uniqueness can sometimes be um, belittled. It's funny. I just posted this on Facebook couple days ago, I think yesterday, a couple days ago, whatever, rebellion is when you look society in the face and say, I understand who you want me to be, but I'm actually going to show you who I am. 
And <laughs> that would be my dream for our world, is for everyone to be courageous enough to show us who you are in your uniqueness, mm-hmm. not how well you've, you know, you've created strategies to go along and get along and fit in and not rock the boat and, and stuff like that, but that, that little, little, that, the energy of rebellion, not in that I'll, I'll prove to you that I can, you know, I have the right to be who I am. That's not exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's mm-hmm. the courage to shine and say, I am, in my, you know, with my own inner compass, with my own trust in myself, with my own inner authority, I'm willing to show up and be me and not sit in constant comparison with, you know, am I getting it right? Am I doing it right? How am I doing compared to that person and compared to somebody else and compared to who I was and all that kind of stuff? And just be you in the fluidity of whatever that is without without definition, without consistency, without predictability, without needing to prove anything to anyone. It's really, really seductive, magnetic, attractive. Those are the people I have always personally, you know, as I look back in my life, the people that I was always drawn to were the people that I would have commonly talked about as someone who felt that it's like oh they're just so comfortable in their own skin like that's why how, how i would have described it before and um and i never i mean that's all i would have been able to know i was like oh yeah i'm really drawn to that person they just seem so comfortable in their own skin it's like a subtle confidence that they don't have to prove anything to anyone they don't have to convince anything to uh, uh, to anyone they're just being them and they're so at ease with that and you're like, wow, that's so cool, because I didn't, when I was younger, I certainly didn't have that degree of ease. And so when someone like that came into my world, I could really perceive that this, that contrast. I was like, okay, that person, not so much like me, because I've got a lot more um, busyness in my energy of all the mechanisms and strategies I'm trying to, that I've got going in place. Um, to, you know, manage and control and handle my debris and, and, you know, do all this stuff. And I'm like, that person, they're just at ease. There's just a whole lot of space there. And um, I used to remember, I I, I would be like, I want to be more like them. And funnily enough, over the course of, you know, my life, without really um, having a planned, uh, (laughs) a planned map of, "Quote unquote," how to get there? I just knew that that was uh, that energy of space. That's just space of being is more what I desired. And sure enough, that has been something that's been an internal compass and leading me more to that space of unediting, unfiltering, unaltering, just being, just being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It is such an inviting space and. Thanks to social media, you know, and the interactions of technology and all of that, we are exposed to so so many different cultures and and people all around the world. And there's just a different energy. I remember listening to some people talk about Europe and how they'd gone to Europe and there was so much nudity around and people were so comfortable in their body and they would open a door and there they were, you know, topless and, 
you know, and they would talk about this like it was so shocking to their system. And and as the conversation rolled around, I was like, well, what stops you from feeling that way? You know, you're you're mm-hmm. seeing there was definitely a difference, so you're acknowledging that. And what stops you? And really, I know that it sounds like a broken record, but it all comes back to judgment. It it, re- it actually requires judgment for us to cut ourselves off from our vulnerability. Our own judgment, judgment we bought into that somebody else has, that is when we start walling ourselves up from our vulnerability. So I would ask, when you are most innately, most naturally comfortably you, what is that state of being that you are in? What do you experience? What's that sensation? And and then the natural thing to go to next is, and what when you're in that state of being, what are your natural inclinations to do? Like, well, how do you want to express that? You know, it doesn't matter if you're doing, you know, sitting and staring at the stars instead of being inside watching the news. It doesn't matter what it is, but how do you express that? And that's that to me is what's most surprising in my own experience when I truly surrender to vulnerability. I that I would say that's when the art came through as activities for me. I would say that is when I started singing and really enjoying singing, not just singing along for karaoke's sake or trying to measure up, but instead really just singing for the sake of expression. And there are things like that that just naturally came through. And it there was no effort in the doing. It was just me expressing who I be without any filters or judgments in place. And that that may seem, you know, scary or, oh, well, you know, you might have judgments in place that you can't really hear what it is that I'm saying there, but that's available to everyone. Your version of that is available to everyone. And so as listeners, if you notice you've got resistance or you want to put conditions on it, just notice that's just you being aware of the judgments that are in place. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And none of it has to be true unless you want it to be. <laughs> uh, exactly. You need not live at the effect of judgment unless you allow that. That is so true mm-hmm. and something that um, took me a while to really live into. You know, it was like, okay, I can get that at an intellectual level, but living into it took probably a couple of years, three years or so, to really practice it enough where I was like, yep, I'm living this now. It's not just an intellectual, um, uh, you know, uh, concept in my head. And judgment, okay. that space of non-judgment, you know, we talked on Monday about, um, oh, it was just in my head one second ago. <laughs> <laughs> Kindness, there we go. We talked about kindness. Uh, kindness is only actually, uh, we can only actually access kindness in, in the space of non-judgment. Yesterday, gratitude, appreciation, also only accessible in the space of non-judgment. Um, vulnerability, only accessible in the space of non-judgment. And, the, you know, there's that, that fun, um, uh, I guess it's a quote from, I don't know who said it or whatever, but it's like, dance like no one's watching, love like you've never been hurt sing like no one's listening, live like heaven is on earth. And I, I, I just think that's really fun because, to me, 
that's when you've extracted judgment out of the picture. Like, you're not worried about any, like, judgment to me is a major source of worry. Worry, anxiety, fear. I've had conversations with people and they're like, I'm so, I'm so fearful. I'm fearful of this. I'm fearful of that. I'm fearful. And I talk about all the things they're so afraid of. And I say, well, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen? And, and often in the course of um, asking questions, what they begin to realize is the thing they're really fear, afraid of. They talk about, you know, I'm afraid of X, Y, Z, but the thing they're actually afraid of is judgment. Underneath, everywhere they say they're afraid of X, Y, Z, when you do a little inquiry in there, what you discover is you're afraid of your own judgment. You're actually paralyzing yourself in the fear that you'll do something that 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 then you will have to judge yourself for. And, you know, when you were just saying the art and the and the singing, being able to do that as simply a, an expression of your being as opposed to like I have to do it well. I have to do it so that it's um worthy of other people seeing it or, you know, uh, it's not about you've taken judgment out of the equation entirely. And it's purely expression of what I would say a, a joyful expression of you, and I and I know that that's when I'm 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 immersed in the things that I love, which there are too many to even talk about. It's a, just a simple joyful expression of me. I'm not worried. In other words, I'm not thinking about judgment at all. It's not even on my radar, because this is. It's like play when you're a little kid, you know, little kids don't, there's no judgment in the world until they learn it. So I'm just being, it's a joyful expression of me. And there's no, there's no worry about like, well, who's watching? Who, what might they think? Um, Am I doing this well enough? Do I have to now judge myself to do better? If you're using uh, judgment as a motivation to improve yourself or do better, um, or be better in some way, then then you might you know paralyze yourself and like I can't do it at all because I might have to judge myself. It's it's really interesting this internal process that goes on, and the more that I really witnessed it, watched it, noticed it, and just kept saying to myself, this is not how I choose to live. This is not how I choose to live. This is not the experience I want to have. And the joyful expression of being <laughs> became much more attractive, more seductive. And I was like, yeah, more of that, please. 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 And and it becomes, it, for me, it became more natural to just be that way than to be constantly worrying, worrying, worrying. Where's the ne- the judgment going to come from next? Whether you're projecting that out into the world or you're recognizing that the source of it is actually right here in yourself. It need, you need, no one need live at the effect of judgment unless they allow it. No one need live at the effect of judgment unless they allow it. So vulnerability, to me, part of it is uh, making that courageous commitment to yourself to give it up. Give up the whoopee. I don't need it anymore. It serves no generative purpose in my life, and I actually feel much better just on a day-to-day basis when I'm not judging myself, when I'm not worrying about where judgment might come from next. And I'm just willing to live in that space of involuntary. I'm just being in every moment without uh, constantly evaluating myself. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's exhausting. Absolutely. <clears throat> 
I found. <laughs> yeah, it truly can be. I mean, it's it's a very interesting thing. I I really look at the place of being in the orientation of resistance and reaction and at the effect of and living in a space of, you know, judgment and worry about it and control and all those things. And when I look at that, I think about how much energy it keeps me to, that it takes, it requires to keep me involved in that. Like if I'm about to leave the orientation where I am worrying about judgment, all it takes is another judgment to hook me back in to the game. And the more that I'm there, the more I'm in that, the more I'm focused on it, to actually really introduce the concept of vulnerability, all that that does is activate all of the judgments and all of the fear of judgments around vulnerability. That's what happens. You're in resistance, you're in reaction, you're in that lockdown of that orientation. And vulnerability is, you know, like, oh my gosh, no way. I would not be safe. I would be under attack. I could be harmed. I could be judged. It could ruin my reputation. Blah, blah, blah. On and on it goes. And so when I was really considering this early this morning when I woke up, I was thinking, what is what change did I go through? What took me out of that orientation? What happened? Because this is one of those things that I took a million things and then it seemed like it was an instantaneous change, but really it was a million moments of choice that led to the change that was finally the release. And and what the the contrast for, you know, that I can put into words is when I was in that about living in fear of judgment and lockdown and all of that resisting the vulnerability, all of my energy went to that. It went to managing. It went to controlling. It went to separation. It went to filtering. It went to editing. And when I went through the metamorphosis out of that orientation, what I found was I was too busy creating with all the energy that was now free to notice the judgments, the edits, the filters, the wrongness, all of that. It It is such a transformation that the orientation, the shift, was actually into a, a I don't know, a, a way of being in the world that is constantly in creation. I am creating this moment and the next and the next and the next. And I require a ton of energy to create what it is that I'm creating. And so if I notice I've got that drain of energy going on, it means something has happened. Somehow I got hooked up into some kind of judgment dynamic, something where my energy is going towards anything that is not creation. And I know it. When it happens, I know it. It's like, oh, something's up, something's up. I know it. Because as soon as that energy drain is there, that's when I become, you know, I step out of creation. And if I'm not creating, I'm not happy. I'm not dynamic. I'm not vivacious. I'm not joyful. I'm not um, seductive. I'm not vibrant. I know that about myself. And creating means, you know, creating my cup of coffee all the way to creating a piece of art to you know, writing a book. It doesn't matter what the creation is. It is the act of creating that I know I have 
gone into that surrender into vulnerability because I've released control. Mm-hmm. And so if you are wondering, what is that? You know, how do I do this? What do I do? Just check in. Where does your energy go? Where does your yeah. energy actually go to? What it, what's it used yeah. for in your life? Yeah. Yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody about that recently, and um, that that's where uh, that exact thing and their awareness, their you know, in reflection as they looked at where their energy was going, they realized most of their energy all day long was in worry. And and they would they they were just beginning to start to have that distinction between when they're in that space of being and the worry is absent, and then they would slide back into the worry, and so they could see themselves like and, and I've talked about this before. It's almost like one foot in two canoes because you're waking up to how you've been functioning. You're waking up to your automatic default patterns, and you're beginning to notice that for the first time. And you're like, wow, I had no idea how much energy I was putting into worry. And and for, you know, like that could be worry about anything. Um, but for this person, they were just noticing it was worry about lots of different things. But generally, it was the energy of worry. And so it was it was preventative. So there, So everything that they were doing was preventative. Now, I don't necessarily consider that creation. I mean, you are creating your life all the time, but that's more like backpedaling. That's more like um, uh, always trying to prevent, 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 prevent that which you don't want to happen. It's the control mechanism in place. And so as he was starting to notice, this was really a gift to him to be able to recognize. And he was, there was a little bit of frustration and a little bit of struggle, you know, because he really wanted to worry less. Like that, the desire mm-hmm. was to be changing his life, changing the patterning, changing out of the default worry into more of this creative space that you're talking about, right? And so so being able to to recognize that was it was really a gift. It was like this is great. This is this is the first this is how you begin to shift into creation rather than reaction because worrying 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 is just reaction 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 reaction. And the one thing that I said, I said, you know, are you acknowledging because a lot of people don't acknowledge this, are you acknowledging that every time you notice yourself in that default reaction of worry and you choose out of it, that's creation. That right there is creation. That choice that you make is creation. Because sometimes if we don't acknowledge that, and it goes and, and you know, it just kind of it, it allows us to sort of stay in that perpetual spin of frustration, like, you know, uh, and, and every time you acknowledge it, and you're like, oh, I'm actually choosing out of this pattern. And every time I choose, that is where I'm engaging my capacity, my natural capacity of creation every time. And, and, and he was like, oh, yeah, I guess I never thought about it that way. Everything that you acknowledge where, where you're, you're more present to your life, where you are actually engaging that superpower of choice, every time you acknowledge that, that natural inherent capacity to create that you're now engaging, because before when we're on autopilot, not so much, more default patterns going on than actual deliberate creation, every time you acknowledge it, it grows. It's like weight training. You know, you go to the gym and you start out and you're like, I can't even lift five pounds. 
But every time you acknowledge that you are engaging your creative capacity, you are, you are weight training and you're building that muscle. You're building that muscle of creative capacity. Oh, wow, I actually can be present enough here to make an impact on how my life is going. In other words, I'm creating. And so many times people don't acknowledge that. They just skip it altogether. I know when I was younger, my idea in my head of what creation was was all about, like, um, because my mother was very crafty, right? Like, she did, she liked to do a lot of crafty type stuff. And I didn't, uh, you know, I'm not a painter. I'm not, I didn't do anything like that. And so I did, I was like, oh, I'm not creative. I got into the definition of myself as not creative because I had a very, very narrow idea in my head about what creative, creative people or creation was. And so I spent most of my life, you know, my mom used to say that all the time. She'd say, oh, you're so creative. And I'd, I'd be like, no, I'm not. Like I literally defended against acknowledging that I was creative because of the definition that I had of it. And it, it was it – was, you know, within the last 10 years that I finally started to recognize, wow, this choice to step off the drama triangle, to start deliberately navigating my life beyond control, there is a very different energy of being in charge of your life versus controlling everything. And as I began to really acknowledge that my deliberate choice is creative, that started changing everything for me. I, I didn't I didn't notice I didn't know that before. I didn't know that choosing was creating. So every time I chose something different, everything I chose something from a place of presence, from a place of, oh, what's the experience I want to have right now instead of some default pattern that I just always did that was, you know, protective or and I would just be in that moment, be fully present, be re, you know, be here, be na- be here now. <laughs> and I'd be like What's the experience I want to have here? And then I would choose. Holy cow, did that ignite something in me that I began to, like, that was the thing I wanted to fuel the fire. I was like, oh, now I'm cooking with gas. Now there's something really going on here. Now I'm really beginning to come alive and actually recognize what's possible because I'm choosing from a deliberate place. That was a... um, uh, aha, I guess you might want to say, like with those aha, I was like, oh, I didn't know it could be like this. I literally didn't know that choice was that powerful and that it was the very thing that was going to ignite me into that creative space of acknowledging, uh, acknowledging my inherent creative capacity. And then over time it was like, oh, well, now that I know I have all this creative capacity, and, it's, and the thing is it's infinitely generative, you know, we talk about exhaustion. We talk about all the effort we have to do to hold things in place or to be in resistance. All the effort in resistance takes a lot of work. It feels hard. It feels exhausting, at least it did for me. And then when I shifted into this natural creative capacity and started acknowledging it, I was like, oh, hell, this shit's infinitely generative. This doesn't run out. It's like, it's like the cup runneth over. It just overflows, and you just tap in, and it's just, you just go. And as I started to really acknowledge that that was available to me, that that was there, that that was always there, if I acknowledge it and choose it and choose into it and choose into it and choose it more and choose it more and choose it more, then it became like, well, now I can create anything. I just tap into this generative energy that I naturally be, this creative capacity, and where do I want to harness it 
to create whatever I want in my life. Game changer. Amazing. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. Creativity is amazing. It truly does. It provides so much fuel when we surrender into it. And as we talk about vulnerability, you know, when it comes to creation, a lot of times the peace, when people are like, okay, I'm going to create. And what happens is if they don't get the outcome that they want or if somebody gives them feedback, vulnerability is shut off because they wall up against it. And vulnerability is that space of receiving everything. It's not, it's not just about how you show up, but it's also about everything that's going on around you is not for you to take personally. It is just feedback. And there are going to be people who agree and people who don't agree and people who do it different, people who do it similarly. Are you still going to be you? Are you going to resist and react to what it is that goes on? It, it is a choice, and it does create. And it can feel very awkward in the beginning, especially if it's been <laughs> shut off or unplugged for a long time. It can be very awkward. And every second, you know, it's not even 10 seconds. It's every second you have the choice. Are you going to still be you? Are you going to be you? Or are you in a filter? Are you going to edit? Whatever that is. And if you do, Awesome. You know, you've got another opportunity just seconds away to decide if you're going to do that again or if you're going to be you. And and that's where if you are so interested in you being you, you will not even give time for judgment to take hold because you'll be like, oh, I chose that. Okay, now I chose this. Okay, I chose this. I'm not liking this. Now I'm going to choose something different. And instead of having to make any of that wrong, no judgment required. You can just keep choosing. Just keep choosing. And that is, that's an amazing invitation that truly does feed your aliveness and keeps propelling you forward into more creation. Mm-hmm. I love that you, uh, you brought into the conversation um, that vulnerability, the energy of vulnerability. We've been talking about the distinction between what people uh, conceptually think about. You know, what do they conceptually think about kindness? What do they conceptually think about gratitude or appreciation? What do you conceptually think about vulnerability as opposed to the energy of it that exists r- independent of how we think about it? And um, one of the ways that um, is very uh, – if I'm going to get into the description, if I'm going to describe – so what, what, when I'm tapping in and tuning into the energy of vulnerability, what is that? One of the ways that I do describe it is that it is, it is a receiving energy. It's receiving of everything. And you brought that into the conversation, and I think that's worth um, you know, continuing to, to uh, unpack that. The willingness to receive everything. So it's to me it's the shifting away from protection into the openness to know that there's nothing that can actually harm me. And I don't mean like, you know, like go walk in front of a bus. I don't mean like that kind of harm. <laughs> I don't mean physically. Right. <laughs> but but most of the injury that we experience, we don't acknowledge is actually self-injury. It's actually where we've created some sort of separation from this space of being that we're talking about, and then we, then we you know, project it out uh, into the world as if it's coming from out there. 
So this 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 energy of vulnerability, when I look at it, is a receiving energy. It's there's an openness. There's no barriers of protection, you know, keeping something out. And it's very much that energy of communion. If you don't have any barriers or separation to something, then you're in. There's a communion energy. There's a there's a um, a recognition of uh, what you might say, self in other. It, 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 I talked to you yesterday a little bit, I think, about um, how nature was my teacher. And when I would go out into nature, that's where I began to notice for the very first time that space of communion. I was like, oh, there's, there's, I can recognize the trees in me and me in the trees. Um, and this is where the words get really clunky again because we're starting to talk about energy. <laughs> but it is it is a receiving energy. It is a it is a very dynamic energy of receiving, and willingness to sh- you know I'm I'm using the word shine or be, without um, need of anything, need of protection, need of validation. So this is this is um. I don't want to say, I don't, I'm not even going to say it. I'm just not going to go there. I'm just not going to go there. (laughs) It is one of those things, though, that I think people find um, most challenging. I I know when it was first introduced into my world, literally, um, seven years ago, somebody sort of challenged me and said, you know, vulnerability was, uh, if if I chose to take, vulnerability on as an experiment it would change my life in unimaginable ways and I was like yeah you're right because I don't even know what vulnerability is in the same way that you know five years ago I was like I don't know what kindness is I think I'm beginning to get a get a taste of it seven years ago I didn't know what vulnerability was I had ideas in my head of what I thought it was you know and if we're doing protection against it, if we think that vulnerability means we're going to be victimized, then we're thinking about what vulnerability is rather than tapping into the energy of what vulnerability is. And so I was like, okay, I'll take up that challenge. I'll, I'll experiment with vulnerability until I get a sense of it energetically beyond my intellect, beyond my thinking. And um, that's, that's where I really started to recognize, I'm like, oh, this is a receiving energy. And it's a dynamic energy that is receiving everything while at the same time noticing itself in everything. So there's no, there's no hidden. There's nothing hidden. I, I, I think of the sun as a metaphor because the sun shines. If we were all to suddenly synchronize our watches and say, okay, midnight tonight, we're all going to choose to shine, there would be no shadow. There would be nothing hidden. And that's to me what vulnerability, like I, I'm trying to use words to sort of describe an energy that, I, that I'm aware of today mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's there's no there's no shadow there's nothing hidden we're all shining we're all being we're all expressing um in whatever joyful way that is unique to you <clears throat> mm-hmm. that's really beautiful and and thank you for finding the words to express that because i think you know just as i was feeling into what you were saying part of what i what i've experienced personally was choosing into vulnerability and living vulnerability, not just having a concept of it or a a staged, you know, condition of it, but actually living into vulnerability, it really keeps me so active in creating my life that I I don't have time to be distracted by judging somebody else's 
lack of vulnerability or judging their vulnerability or any of that. Like it really does keep me in the moment, present in the moment, because receiving, if I'm distracted, think about it, you throw a ball out to the dog and the dog's distracted barking at a squirrel, you whack it in the head with the ball. Why? Because they're not receiving it because they're distracted barking at the squirrel. Same thing. If you are aware of the receiving and you're doing whatever you're doing, completely aware of the receiving that's that's also going on, because it is simultaneous, then not only are you aware of the squirrel, but you can also catch the ball. Like, that to me, it is everything is possible in that space of vulnerability, that, you know, eye contact. Just, Just think about that. How vulnerable is eye contact in public? How many people refuse, resist, react to the discomfort of eye contact with another human being? Are you willing to be vulnerable enough to make eye contact? And we're not talking like some creepers stare down. We're talking about you know, just eye contact long enough to say hello. Would you be willing to experiment with vulnerability to that extent? Increase your vulnerability by 1% today. Would you be willing? Because, it, it, you know, I don't, some people, boy, you do, you say, okay, I'm going to choose vulnerability, and next thing you know, they're naked on Facebook Live wondering why they're getting kicked off and blocked because they're like, I was just being vulnerable, you know, because it's gone like the extreme pendulum swing. And, and so I really do invite, just ask to be shown, ask to experience, you know, follow it the breadcrumbs of creation about what would happen in your life if you said, okay, I'm, I'm actually willing to receive, you know, 3% more today. Mm-hmm. I am choosing to enhance, to, you know, dial in, dial out, ex- open up to whatever you want to say, whatever words work for your, the way your mind works, to say, I'm going to receive 3% more by choosing vulnerability today. And see what happens in your life. What do you notice? It's such a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me wonder the yabbits that come up for people. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're saying that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I would choose anything else for what reason? Like, now, today... That seems, for me, the obvious choice. That was not, Mm -hmm. definitely not the case for me in the past, in my life. You know, 20, 30, certainly years ago. No way. Uh Uh-uh. So it makes me wonder the yabbits that come up for people. You know, when when it was like, when you say, when you say, like, just open yourself up to 3% more receiving. You know, my whole body says, ah. And I know that 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 can create the opposite in some people's bodies, right? You start talking about receiving more and they go, they clench. Everything gets clenched. Everything is like tense. Oh, no. I don't, but what about all the stuff I don't like? What about all the bad stuff? Yeah, but I just, I wonder about the yeah, buts that come up for people with the idea of receiving more. Because receiving, and I'm going to repeat what you know we said before, it's receiving everything. 
vulnerability is receiving everything, not filtering what you want to receive through your preferences and your likes and your dislikes and, you know, that's bad and that's good. Everything. 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 And here, here is where the thinking comes in again. I'm going to bring that back into the conversation because the barriers that we, that we try, we put so much energy into upholding, those are thought barriers. Because in order for something to be bad or good, you have to think it so. In order for something to be good or bad, uh, right or wrong, it, you have to think it so. So, you, so. so those filters that we're talking about, if you're, willing, if you're just being, receiving everything, make to, I mean, makes perfect sense. Like in the, in the absence of thought, communion is. In the absence of thought, communion is. It is. So as soon as I start thinking about good or bad or right or wrong, now I've got filters up to say, nope, can't let that in. That's, that's yucky. That's scary. I don't like it. It's bad. So the, the barriers we put up are, are, are thought. In the absence of thought, there is no separation. Communion just is. And, and interestingly yeah. enough, that energy is what I will have more of hands down in every moment. Now, today, that was not the case many years ago when I was using thinking as my survival mechanism. I was using all kinds of barriers of protection and keep it out, and I don't like that. And now today, when I know the juiciness of communion and vulnerability and receiving everything, I'm like, oh, yes, thank you, happy more, please. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, different, it's a different thing. So just... Being aware, where are you using your, where are the yabets yeah coming up? It's like, oh, well, I'll receive except not that, and 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 not that. And if you didn't, if you were, if you were to ask and say, okay, everywhere, thank you, mind, for being so vigilant of, like, warning me to all of the threats that you've decided are going to harm me, if I was actually able mm -hmm. to just put that aside, and as you're saying, invite a little bit more receiving today. What could that contribute to your life? How might it actually enhance your life rather than the way you've concluded it would be somehow um, uh, the impact would not be good in some way? Because this is how our, we, get in our, we get in the way. We mm -hmm. fight with ourselves. We get in our own way. And these are the ways that we get in our own way so when we stop getting in our own way what becomes possible and the primary form of getting in our own way that i see in working with myself you know doing this with myself for 20 years and with clients is all the thinking about the worry is thought generated if we could just yep. put that aside for a little bit what could i receive what what would change? What would be different? What would be enhanced? I mean, to me, the, the way the the way I always describe it is now I'm cooking with gas. Now I'm alive. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's interesting. An um, um, interview I was doing for my other podcast, um, the artist I was interviewing was talking about how she started practicing the five second rule, and she referred to the work by Mel Robbins. Um, who she's a speaker and super dynamic, and she has this five-second rule. So I looked up her TED Talk. I don't have the link right now, but 
you can Google her and find it if you're interested. But she talks about if you if you have that inclination, if you have that, if you're really open to receiving, and if you take action in five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay, take action right then. You stay in that open space of invulnerability, as we're talking about, because she said, um, when we wait beyond that five seconds, that is long enough for your brain to pull the emergency brake. And it floods you with all of the limitations, all the judgments, all the conclusions, all the yeah buts. And so if this is something that you're interested in practicing, you might want to try the five-second rule. And, like, <laughs> just go now. Like, I feel so vulnerable. Now I'm going to stew on this for three days and really plan, and you know, go over it and repeat and rehearse everything that's going to happen and come up with a plan so I have full expectations in place, blah, blah, blah. That's not vulnerability. Five seconds. Take action. Go. And I really love that concept, and I found myself practicing it. I was like, hey, I'll try this on, you know. I'm like, I'll do anything. Sure, this is fun. I'll do it. And I found myself in this place of like, wow, that was so true. Five seconds, do this action. Five seconds, do that action. Five seconds, I had a nudge. And what I found was my nudges were like, oh, she's listening. Here, now let's do this, and let's do this. And I had the most productive day. Because I was taking action right then instead of letting my thoughts slow me down. And my thoughts were absolutely the filter that was slowing down my creativity. And so if this vulnerability, if you want more, try it out. What would happen if you took action in five seconds or less? What would happen then? Yeah, I love that. It's funny, as you're talking, I'm realizing my whole little practice that I came up with for myself of like, I'm going to preface it by saying, like I'm going to say, I'm going to, I go, okay, what I'm about to say is really, you know, feels really vulnerable or whatever. That was my way of doing the five second thing. (laughs) Mm. I never thought about it that way, but that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, okay, here I go. You know, and I would, and, and maybe I didn't have the quite the courage to say the thing yet, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to it by saying, by saying the, the preface of, um, you know, what am I about to say? I feel shame about what I'm about to say, what I'm about to share, what I'm about to reveal, whatever. Like, that was my five-second thing. It's like, now I'm committed. Now I'm going to do it. <laughs> hmm I love that. Yeah. Is that. Right? It's that whole thing. And I can remember my friend had a boat and my kids and, you know, we'd go out boating and, and I would, we'd be in the boat and whatever, and they'd get me to stand up. And it, there was no prep. Like this wasn't, they would stand me up by distracting me or something else. And once I was up, they would say, mom, and they would just look and I knew, oh crap, here we go. Because they would start counting down because in our household, because I was a wing nut, we would count down and we would just take action. We, that was our, I don't know, it was our game we played really. And they would just start counting down five, four, three, two. And you know what? I didn't think I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have time to think. You know, anything. I just jumped in the lake. Like, it was just a dive. Go, do it. And when you get in that momentum, it is so fun to just allow yourself to go with it. Allow yourself to to engage in the possibility, because really what you're doing then is playing with life. You're not strategizing. You're not scheming. You're not controlling. 
You're just playing, which is why I love improv so much personally, because that's what that is. You have this moment. Look around quickly. What props, tools, you know, material, whatever do you have to tap into? Now go. And that's it. That's all it is. That's what, you know, living an improvisational life is all about. And I am telling you now, not, you know, being walled off to my vulnerability makes my improv and what I create in my life suck. You know, I've, I can remember being so vulnerable. I had a skirt on when I was on stage once. and I had some, like, yoga shorts underneath. Kids, you know, I'm like, you never know what's going to happen. And in one of the skits, I'll be damned if it wasn't, you know, it was a perfect prop to drop my skirt and stand there in my yoga pants with my boots underneath. And people just busted. And I, I can remember having that paralyzing moment of, fuck, I just did that. And then in that next five seconds, my, my co-creator, whatever the hell, my playmate really, threw back a perfect line. And I was so in the next moment of creation that I didn't have time to be embarrassed. I didn't, I didn't have time to stop myself and go, <gasps> instead, it was just, well, <laughs> I'm here now. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do next? I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> you know? and, and I had people afterwards say, did you know you were going to do that? I said, no. I had no clue at all. I knew that nothing was off limits to what was possible but I did not have it pre-planned to drop my damn skirt on stage. That is not something I would do. So as we get into this and and we talk about this, and I love this topic and the show's wrapping up, just, you know, are you willing? Just ask, are you willing? Because, you know, for the next two days, we're talking about curiosity and play. So this is really an invitation. Are you willing to be vulnerable enough to step into Curiosity and play, because that's, that's what we're doing. That's where we're going this week. And we're inviting you. Are you willing? More? Maybe? 3%? Yes? No? Maybe? <laughs> Don't take our word for it. Experiment and see for yourself. That's what I say all the time with, my, with the people that I work with. I'm like, look, don't take my word for it. You know, this is my experience. And I know I'm, I'm the experience that I'm choosing, but I can't speak for you, and I don't know the experience you're choosing. So are you willing to experiment and discover for yourself? What does it create? If you choose this mm-hmm. rather than that, whatever this and that are if for you, what do you notice? What does it create? Would you like more of it? Mm-hmm. It's play. Absolutely. Frankly, it's play. Mm-hmm. It? it really is playing with life, and that I love that. You know, I think that it's <sighs> contagious. I just love it. So thank you for being here with us today. And um, I seem to have the hiccups. Oh, how fun is that? <laughs> Did you plan that? <laughs> how much fun can I have with this? Oh, my gosh. Come back and play with us tomorrow as we talk about curiosity and play on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and my hiccups saying goodbye for seducing aliveness. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs>